Welcome to Hope, everybody. My name's Nate, if we haven't met yet, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hope. And today, we're in week three uh, of our brand new series called Greatness. Greatness. Everybody say greatness. And this is actually part two. We're continuing our talk from last week, All is Bright. You know, Joseph's story from last week, if you're not familiar with it, that's okay, we'll catch you up. It teaches us that not all is calm, right? That's, there's like a song, all is calm, all is bright for Christmas. But when you have a dream from God, it's not all calm, but all is always bright. Come on, tell your neighbor, all is bright. All is bright. Genesis 37, starting in verse 3, we're going to read it again, a little bit of the narrative to catch you up on what we're talking about today. It says, now Israel, that's Joseph's father. Love Joe more than all the other kids. <laughs> I love that because everybody has a family and everybody knows who the favorite is. Joseph was the favorite of his family. And it says because he was the son of his old age. He had 11 other boys, but he did love one more than the others. Joseph was the favorite because he was the son of the old age. And also, he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. So he's like, you're the best one. I'm going to give you a manifold, many-colored coat, which represents the grace of God, okay? But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. Any dreamers in the room? Anybody dreaming of a greater 22? Anybody dreaming? <laughs> dreaming of something good from a good God? Come on, everybody have a God dream inside. I love our dreams. I like God's dreams. Come on, Joseph had a dream and he told his brothers and they hated him even more for dreaming. So he said to them, just listen me out. Listen to the dream which I have dreamed. There we were, biting sheaves in the field. So they hated him before he told the dream, but just because he's a dreamer. You know, people will not like you just because you're a dreamer. But once you start talking about it, you're going to see they start hating you even more. So here he is, binding sheaves in the field. And they're like, we don't bind sheaves together. Don't fool yourself. You go to a special school with a special coat and have special time with dad. We're the ones who go out and work the fields. But he's like, no, 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 no. We were all working it together. And we're like, okay. We know how the favorites get treated, okay? He didn't have the same, same experience. But the boys were like, sure. Behold. My sheaf arose. Of course it did. You are the sheaf of sheaves, right? And it stood upright. And indeed, all your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my wonderful sheaf. Last week, we said point number one, if you're going to have a great dream, if you're going to have a dream that's worth something, you want to hook up your dreams to the harvest dream, a greater harvest dream. Is anybody hooking up your personal dream with a harvest dream? Like this Christmas, whose life's going to be different because you have a dream? Because if your dream's all about you and yourself and your family and you four and no more, it's not a harvest dream. But a dream that goes beyond self is a, is a kingdom thought. It's a kingdom dream. And, and Joseph has a harvest dream. He's like this harvest of heaven is, is bigger than just a dream. You get a dream that's bigger than yourself, your family, and your freedom, right? Hook up your dreams to the harvest of heaven where other people prosper because you're crushing your position. See, when you're crushing your position, other people should prosper. Come on, you are blessed to be a blessing, influenced to be an influencer. So whose life is better because you're in it? And that's a good question this Christmas. Whose life is really better because you suck air on the planet, okay? So dream of other people's success, their purpose, and them connecting to the God dream for them. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us, Joseph? Or shall you have dominion over us? So it's one thing to have a dream, it's another thing to say the dream, but a dream where you carry authority, and you have confidence, and you have competence, and you actually crush life, ooh, that'll really make people mad, okay? So they hated him even more for his dreams of authority and rulership and for his words. Because it's one thing to have a dream for you to do well, it's another thing for you to have a dream to be in a position of authority. Anybody want to reign in life? Not necessarily over people, but over what God has called you to. We're here to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. That's what the Bible says. It says, I'm calling you to reign in life. You know, you're going to reign for all of eternity. If you follow Jesus, you're going to reign throughout eternity. He wants you to reign here on earth as it is in heaven. Come on now. Verse 9, even though they despised him, then Joseph dreamed still another dream. So can you keep dreaming when people hate you for your dreams? So he dreamed another dream. He told it to his brother saying, look, 
I've dreamed another dream. Everybody loves me. Everybody wants to hear what I have to say. And I'm about to make a huge difference in all y'all's life. That's what he's saying. He's like, I know you say you hate me and you don't want to hear another thing, but I believe everybody loves me. I believe everybody wants to hear the dream that I have to say. And I'm going to make a huge difference. Didn't he make a huge difference in everybody's life? And this dream, this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me because I'm going to keep dreaming even if you have a problem with it. I'm a dreamer. You can't stop the dreamers. So he told it to his dad and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, Hey, 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 what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and all your brothers, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, indeed come, down to come over to bow down to the earth to you? Are you serious, Joseph? And his brothers envied him, but his dad kept the dream in mind because he kind of knew. I mean, he kind of know there's greatness in you. It's, it's hard to put a, a thumb on a 17-year-old who's got great potential, but you just see something. There's like a spark. The, the lights have gone on in Joseph's eyes. He is vibrant. He is colorful. He is confident. He has a coat on the outside, but he's got spark on the inside, and it's just like, wow, starstruck by the greatness inside of Joseph. Anybody just kind of believe that there's greatness in you, even though you can't really identify it yet? Come on, you can't even see something, but you just know when somebody has it. His brothers envied him because he had it. And the Bible says his brothers envied him because he had it. You know, he had greatness in him. That's why they're jealous. He had greatness in him. That's why they want to crush his dreams. He's gifted and favored, and he believes in himself. And when you live like that, and you believe, everybody loves me. Everybody wants to hear what I have to say. And I will make a difference in other people's life. All is not always calm, but all is always bright. All is always bright. Go ahead, say it to your neighbor. All is always bright. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter if they're okay with it. You are going to make a difference in their lives. God had given him a dream for greatness, and he turned on the lights for Joe. And nothing could turn what God had turned on off. He could not turn it off. His brothers tried. Last week, we saw them try to define him by his dream. And they made fun of him. In verse 18, so when they saw him afar off, they conspired against him. They, they made a plan of attack against him and said, here comes the dreamer. Behold, the dreamer cometh. They didn't even call him by his name. They called him by his dream. Is anybody calling you by your dream yet? That's the value of a dream that God places in your heart. A God dream will distinguish you. A God dream will define you. You will lose your identity and become the dream. That's point number two. A great God dream will define and distinguish you. We're just catching you up from last week. When God gives you a dream, you will stand out. When God gives you a dream, it will mark you. When God gives you a dream, it does have a difference between you and everybody else in that dream. So in verse 23, they took Joseph and they stripped him of the symbol of favor that was on his life. Outwardly, they stripped him of his coat and they threw him into a pit. They said, you're colorful, you're confident, you're competent, you're cocky, but we're going to rip that thing off of you and we're going to throw you into the lowest thing we can find. The pit was actually like an empty well. It was where water used to be, but now it is dried up. It's where life used to live, but now... It's just a dead, empty pit. You know, that thing you're going through, you're going to go through a test of a dream because everything will look like you're being stripped from you. Everything will look like it's being stripped from you. It looks like it's not going to happen. It looks like you're actually going backwards or downward. It looks like you're losing everything that ever solidified your greatness, your coat, your stuff, your position. It looks like the favor of God has been evident. Everybody saw it on you. The outward blessings now have dried up and been stripped off you. And then inwardly, you're in a dry place. Anybody ever had a God dream and then gotten dry on the inside? Just thrown into a pit where water used to be, where you used to have life flowing through you. Now it's just like emptiness and vacancy and nothingness and dry. So there's no external favor on Joseph's life and there's no internal refreshing. And you're alone and you're abandoned. You feel betrayed and your family has screwed you over, and you're in a dry and barren place. Anybody ever felt like that with your dream? You start talking your dream, living your dream. It's going great, and then, boom, it gets ripped out from underneath you, 
And even your family abandons you, but God is teaching you in that hour that the future is still bright. If you feel like you're in a dry, pity, barren place, even though you're being stripped outwardly and inwardly, you feel like you're drying up, the dream needs to stay alive. you got to keep jumping and leaping on the inside, saying it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. It's still what God said to me. It's still what God showed me. And that is the value of having a God dream, a God encounter, a God experience. Because nobody can take away what you know that you saw. Nobody can steal what you know he showed you. A dream will keep you going even when you're losing stuff. Even when you're losing people you thought would be with you forever. A dream will keep you going even when it feels like you're dried up internally. It, it won't let you quit. If you have a dream that you quit on, it might not be a God dream because God dreams do not let you quit. They push you towards your destiny. They draw you towards your destiny. You could be in the worst happenstance, circumstance, and you will be drawn to greatness still, even when everything looks backwards and upside down. The Bible said they threw him in a pit and they were going to kill him. They're actually going to kill him. But the Ishmaelites came back. The Ishmaelites. Who the heaven are the Ishmaelites? The Ishmaelites. I want to remind you, Joseph has a great, great, great grandfather in Abraham. Abraham had two sons. He's the one who went out and counted the stars. One time he tried to make a dream happen on his own accord, and he had a son with Hagar, one of his wife's friends, and all of a sudden he had a son named Ishmael. Ishmael. That's before he had the son of promise, Isaac. He had a child of promise with Sarah whose name was Isaac. You guys remember this? But then there was that little oops. That little self-will thing, there was that mistake, there was that sin, there was that thing where he chose to be with Hagar and do it in his own strength, and he produced a child named Ishmael, from which come the tribe of the Ishmaelites, where two generations before, great-grandpa made a great mistake. But when you stay open before God and a covenant person, you repent. You say, God, I am sorry. I blew it. I screwed up. If you would truly repent and turn away from your sin, God will even take your mistakes. He will take the things that you did wrong. He will take the places where you screwed up. He takes the illegitimate child of two generations before. And the only thing that keeps the great-grandson alive was a mistake from great-grandpa. I want to tell you, the mistake of grandpa became the miracle for a grandson. And it saved Joseph's life. Because if the Ishmaelites don't come along, there's no money to be made. If there's no money to be made, the boys don't think profit. They think murder. Because that's what they had in mind. But the Ishmaelites, great grandpa's mistake is now showing up to show mercy on a grandson in a pit. And now he's taking what was meant and looked so evil and he's turning it and he's working it for good. Only God can take a mess that you made and turn it into a blessing for your seed, for your son, for your daughter. Come on, somebody. This is, this is real. This is generational blessing where God takes something that is broken and he shifts it and he transforms it into a blessing. He takes a dysfunction and he turns it into a destiny, fulfilling opportunity. Are you catching what I'm saying? Only God can say, I'm going to turn it around. You serve the God of redemption. You serve a God of restoration. You serve a God who says, I'm not finished with this story yet. Ishmaelites are coming. It's going to raise you up instead of put you down. You thought that thing is going to catch up to you and crush you and ruin you and crush your reputation. I'm telling you, it's not coming to crush you. It's coming to lift you. It's coming to restore you. It's coming to turn it around and put you higher. Take you from a low place and elevate your life. I know, I know believers who are terrified of their past catching up to them. Because if people really knew who I was, and if people really knew what I did, and if people really knew, I know they're Christian, I know the blood of Jesus works, but if they really knew how awful I was to that person, and they live in this torment of their past, catching up to their future. And I want to tell you something, the blood of Jesus works. Come on, I want to tell you something, you serve a God of restoration and redemption, and nothing's catching up to you, only thing is going to catch up to you is blessing. God has put his hand on your mistakes, and he turns them into a greater message. He has put your hand, his hand on your, on your worst, and he's turning it into something wonderful. 
Something that will save you in your future. I don't know what you've messed up, but I know what the enemy meant for evil in your life. Our God, he always turns it around for good. Come on, somebody. Come on, act like we're in Hope Church. Get a little unction in your gunction. We are here to celebrate the goodness of God. We're talking about mercy, brand new, getting what you didn't deserve. We're talking about the grace of God that empowers you to live a different life. We're talking about a God of restoration who came to redeem every broken thing in your life. And there is no limit to what he can do in your life. Receive it this morning because point three, God's brighter future is still greater than your dark past. I want to tell you this morning, watching online, God's brighter future is still so much greater than your dark past. And your past is not going to catch up to you. It's not going to ruin you. It's going to redeem you. It's going to restore you. It's going to be a restoration story that relieves you from pits in your life. What God meant for evil, or what, what the enemy meant for evil, what your brothers meant for evil, what your family meant for evil, it's turning around. That abuse is turning around. That dysfunction of not talking to each other for days on days on days in your family, it's turning around. You're going to be able to communicate with your family. You're going to be able to express yourself. You're going to be able to use feelings and have emotions and use them in a proper way. There's something that's shifting. Dysfunction is not going to be your destiny. He's turning what was meant for evil. He's turning the dysfunction. He's working it to a dream for good. Can you dream with me this morning? I want to say everything that looks like it's against you. Come on, God is an able God. He's a willing God. He's a hungry God for your future success. It's still brighter. Not everybody, not, not everybody who's going to bless you has to be righteous. Not everybody that's going to bring favor into your life has to be righteous. God can use anybody to bless you. The Bible says he'll even use the wealth of the wicked and will raise up the righteous with their wealth. I need, this, I, I need somebody who feels like they're in a pit and say, anybody can bless me. Anybody can come along. Anybody can say, anybody can be used by God to do greater things in my life. I need somebody to believe that God's dream is greater than your disasters. Do you believe God's dream is still greater than your past disasters? Anybody have a dumpster fire in their past? Come on. Anybody have a disaster chasing you? Come on. God's dream is greater Come on, welcome to greatness. This is God's dream. It's greater than your disaster. Come on now. So the Ishmaelites save Joseph and take him into Egypt. He gets in Potiphar's house, and even without his coat of favor, he is the most favored slave in the house. Potiphar was a wealthy person. Potiphar was a person of influence. Potiphar was politically connected to Pharaoh. Potiphar was a big deal. And Joseph is put in charge of Potiphar's entire house. All the butlers, all the bakers, all of the people, he is a leader of every servant in the house. And there's Potiphar's wife starting to notice how bright-eyed and hope-filled this young 17-year-old man is. And this woman kept coming to him daily saying, sleep with me, sleep with me, lie with me, won't you? Sleep with me, won't you? But Joseph refused. See, the dream that God has for you will demand you draw lines. Will demand you say, nope, that's as far as it goes. A dream will produce, I like to call it, accidental discipline in your life. Accidental disciplines. I'm telling you, if God gives you financial increase, if he blesses you with the scholarship, if things start to pop for you relationally, can God trust you to be a person of integrity? Because he promotes wherever his name, wherever his reputation is protected. I want to tell you, God will promote what he knows you will protect. So the Bible said that Joseph refused and she falsely accused him and he was thrown into prison. Again, looks like a demotion, but really, it's a promotion. She came after him, he refused. She said, oh, he tore off my clothes, he did this. And we got a pedophile, a 17-year-old boy, being convicted of rape and thrown into prison. Because of some lady. You know what? This looks awful, but he would have stayed in Potiphar's house forever. Settling for life being really, really good for a slave. And missing out on the chance for greatness in a prison. See, a lot of people settle for, for a Potiphar house blessing. At least I'm not, 
at least it's this, and they don't dream anymore. And everything that good happens to them, they, they kind of reject, and everything bad happens to them, they're kind of like, uh, but I want to tell you, getting out of Potiphar's house was the best thing that could happen to Joseph, even if it was going to prison. It looks like a demotion, actually a promotion. So in prison, even in prison, his future is still bright. You know why? Because he's a person of hope. He's a person of joy-filled anticipation, saying the best is still yet to come. What God is doing in my life is greater than anything that's happened to me. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. And even in prison, where it looks like there's no favor on his life, everything's dried up. The Bible says three times, but God was with him. But God was with him. Number two, but God was with him. And you know, if God before you, who or what could be against you? Come on, if God is with you, you got everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. And because God was with him, he, he put him over the prison. Now he's, now he's like the prison ward. He's the head jailer as a jail bird, right? He's a jail bird, but he's a head jail man over all the prisoners. Gave him the keys, said, you run the place. You keep everybody in line. See, that's favor. When you have a prisoner running prison guards' duties, you don't have to have everything to have the favor of God. You don't have to have everything perfectly lined up to see God bless you. You just work what you got, where you are, and you will not stay down. Come on, you can't stay down when the favor of God is on your life. Somebody shout, God's favor is on my life. And here's the thing, I'm not going to stay hidden in a prison. I'm, I'm going to stand out for God's purpose even if I'm in prison. There is favor on my life. You can strip me of my coat, but I'm going to shine bright like a star that I was born to be. I'm going to be noticed by the right people at the right time, in the right place, for the right blessing. There is no time to give up on great. There is no time to give up on a greater plan for your future. People say dark clouds are rolling in. 2022 is going to be so hard. There's inflation. The future looks bleak. There's things happening in our world. You say, not in my world. The blessing of God is approaching. There might be clouds, but they're clouds of blessing. Come on, there's storms of blessing headed my way. It's going to rain in my life in 2022. But not the rain of destruction. It's the rain of blessing. Come on, somebody. You have to be and receive the future that you want to see. You have to be the future that you want to see. You have to become it yourself, even in a dark place. That means you got to grow. You got to change. You got to be willing to say, I have a new resolution. You know how many people are jaded to resolutions? Fresh starts, new beginnings. <laughs> They're jaded to Jesus and his ability to transform and rejuvenate and breathe life into something that's dead. I want to tell you this 2022 do not be a jaded believer of Jesus. There's nothing worse than jaded believers who confess Jesus. Be somebody who's hope-filled, full of faith for the future. Not fear, but faith, believing our God will do great things in 2022. He will do great things in the next 10 years. Our God is well able. We are well able. I want to tell you, you have everything you've been, you have, you have everything you need to be who you've been created to be. Strong in the Lord, the Bible says. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Strong in the Lord in the power of his might for the future. Not living with apology, but strong in the grace of God. Working with the grace of God. Confident and competent. Crushing what God puts in front of you. Our gifts and our talents are according to his grace. I want you to catch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul the apostle says, but by the grace of God, by the empowerment of God, by the supernatural favor of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. See, I'm not going to be a doubting believer because his grace toward me was not in vain. See, I'm not going to be jaded to Jesus and jaded to the future because his grace toward me was not in vain. I want to keep it real. Stop it. Keep it right according to the reality that God says. My kingdom come. My will be done. Here in 2020 as it is in heaven. Oh, I want to keep it real. Stop it. That grace that you've given me is not going to be in vain. I labored more abundantly. I worked harder. I got after it. Abundantly than they all. Wow. Brag, humble brag much, Paul. I work harder than everybody. Yet not I. But the freaking grace of God which was given to me. 
You know why I keep winning? Because the grace of God has been given to me. So I want to encourage you. I know this. Love what he made you. Work what he gave you. If it's a prison, work it. If it's a pit, work it. If it's a pedophile, work it. Work what God gave you. Work what God gave you. Even evil things, you can work it. You're not a victim of anything when you serve Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are a son of a king. It doesn't matter what they do to you or what happens to you. You're still a son of a king. Nobody can strip you of that favor. Come on. It's been given to you. The grace has been given to you. So love what he made you. Because you were created by God fearfully and wonderfully. He knew what he was doing when he made you. He likes who he made you. He said, I'm good at doing this. I'm good at breathing life. I'm good at speaking life. I'm good at gifting life. I gave you so much. Not for you to talk about how great everybody else is. Not for you to think about how bad you are compared to everyone. No, no, no. He gave you everything he created you to be, to be the best you. Come on, you're in comparison with who you could be. You're in comparison with who he created you to be. Not with anybody else or anything else. Come on, be the best you he created you to be. Be the blessed you. Be the talented you. Be the smart you. Without apology, be the gifted you. Be the wealthy you. Be the healthy you. Come on, somebody. Celebrate God for who he created you to be. Be who he made you to be. You know, you know why I say that? Because most people have a problem with themselves. The situation might be bad, but they have a problem with themselves more than situations. They want to change themselves. And not in a positive way, but in a I wish I was way. They look at the person next to them and they think, man, I wish I was like him. I wish I was like her. No, no, no. You have something different. You have difference for a destiny that's bright. You have difference. You know, they look at you and they wish that they had what you have. So you need to celebrate yourself. You need to celebrate being yourself. And it's not just nice, positive talk I'm giving you. This is reality of Joseph. He said, man, I like who you made me to be. And everybody loves me. Everybody wants to hear what I have to say. And I'm going to make a difference in their lives. Come on, you got to believe in yourself. you got to believe in what he put inside of you. Because God doesn't make garbage. You have to be and believe the future that he has for you. If you want a bright future, you have to be a bright future. So if you have great God dream to own your own company someday, you have to start working in the company you're currently in as an owner. If you want to own, you want to be an owner, start thinking and working somebody else's as an owner. Live and die and breathe like they would if their cans were on the line. Not disrespecting the boss, not undercutting authority, but looking after what's not yours like you owned it yourself. If you want a brighter future, you got to be the future where you're currently at that you want to see. You have to become it before you will see it. You have to become bigger internally before you will see bigger externally. Come on. You have to become excellent internally before you will see excellence around you. If you want to draw excellent people, wholehearted people, people who crush life, you got to crush life yourself. Winners attract winners. Come on now. you got to become the dream that you saw. you got to become the person that God created you to be. Not waiting for an appointment. Not waiting for a position. Not waiting for somebody to be like, ding, divinely appointed now. No, 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 no. You have to become before anybody else sees. A dream drives you to discipline, to become, not just believe for it. There's a big difference between, oh, man, I have a dream. I'm believing great things. And becoming the dream before you see it. To deny yourself, to be ambitious with your life for God. Point number four, this is obvious, but I, just, I think it's worth saying. you got to become, you will become what you believe. So you believe this, you're going to become this. If you believe that, you're going to be, become that. If you believe in the dream that God has for you, you will become it, and here's the catch, before it happens. David, while keeping his father's sheep, a minimum wage job, he doesn't waste it. He actually goes after things that will kill him, a lion and a bear, and risks his own life for somebody else's stuff that they don't even care about as much as they should. His father's sheep, not his sheep, he, he risks his life with a lion for somebody else's stuff, and he punches a lion in the head. That's crazy. 
He grabs him by the beard, hit beard, hits him in the head, by the beard, by the beard. He pops him in the head and kills a lion with his bare hands for a sheep. You know how dumb sheep are? You know how frustrating sheep are? You know how insignificant sheep are? And it's not even his sheep. It's somebody else's sheep. Do you go wrestle with a bear for somebody else's sheep? I'm like, that's good. You can have that one. I'm going to take all the rest and run. You know what I'm saying? Like, enjoy the snack. Who cares? It's a dumb, dumb, a dumb sheep sheep, right? It's a sheep. But David, while he was in obscurity, while he was in nothingness, what is he doing? He's target practicing with his sling. He's writing songs, like tons of songs. He was learning how to play an instrument with obsession and ambition. Two words that Christians don't like to hear. Obsessed and ambitious. You know how he played his instrument? Obsessively and ambitiously. You know how I know that? Because his gift would make room for him in a palace before the president of his entire nation. He goes from a field being known by nobody to a position where he gets into King Saul's presence and plays an instrument. Not because he's killing giants. Not because he's wonderful sheep herder, not because of, it's his side hustle that brings him before kings. Anybody have a side hustle with ambition and obsession? His side hustle, he's so good at his side hustle that he gets in with the king to play an instrument because he's depressed. He didn't settle for being a good musician. No, 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 no. He was great enough, great enough. He went for greatness to get an audience with the king. I don't see any of you pr- playing any instruments for President Biden lately. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's the snowball's chance in heaven that he would get in there. Who, who recruits some random guy on a field watching sheep that is hated by his own family into a palace to play music? Only greatness belongs in that palace. Are you catching what I'm saying? And it's not even his main job. It's a side hustle. Does anybody have ambition in 2022? Anybody obsessed with becoming all that God created you to be? Using everything God gave you to use. Working every field he gave you to work. And I love it. He didn't quit his main job. He hustled. He didn't stop caring for sheep. He abandoned his responsibility. He did more than enough. He was watching the sheep and applying himself. He was watching the sheep and applying. He kept his nine to five and he hustled all night long. While nobody was watching, he was training for reigning because there's a king in you. There is greatness in you. There is something greater than anybody can see in all of your obscurity. What are you doing in your basement? What are you doing in your quiet place? What are you doing in your secret place? Are you crushing anything bigger than what's expected of you? Or do you come up to the bare minimum and go for good enough? Well, this is a series on greatness. I want to stir and call greatness out of you. You were born for greater. Quit settling for second best. You have greatness inside of you. Man, I love David. He was practicing and applying himself. And while nobody was watching, just training to reign. Anybody training? He shows up. He shows up. And now he's been promoted from sheep guy to pizza delivery guy. Wow. Thanks, Dad. I get to deliver. He said when his brothers took... Uh, took the battlefield. He went and he brought them bread and cheese. Now he's a pizza delivery boy. Bread and cheese is pizza. So I was insignificant. You know what I mean? I was watching sheep. Sheep are the worst. But now I got this delivery gig. And I'm delivering for Grubhub. I don't know. For something. But I want you to see he's not wasting one season of his life. He's seizing every season. He's grabbing every opportunity. Everything about life. Everything about sorrow, everything about hurts and rejection and failure, God will make failure fertilizer for you to help you fulfill your dreams and see them grow if you allow him to through your diligence. Anybody want to get after something greater? Come on now. He goes from delivering pizzas. And I'll tell you, he goes from watching sheep to delivering pizzas to delivering an entire nation from the hand of a giant boneheaded Philistine. You want, to, you want to call me a delivery boy? That's all right. I am the delivery boy, and I just showed up. I'm about to deliver all you cowards from this giant. You ready? I'm ready to throw down. It's about to go down. Come on, Goliath. You're about to fall. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. I eat problems like you for breakfast. I eat giants for you like for this for breakfast. That's what Joshua said. 
Come on, you coming after me? I'm coming after you. And he delivers pizza. And no, 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 no. He delivers an entire nation of Israelites from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. Every job, everything you've been through, every piece of abandonment, every hurt. Oh, I've been so hurt. Stop it. Every rejection. Oh, stop it. Every terrible thing that you think is against you, it's working for you. You are not a victim. David, you are not a victim. You are a king. Start walking like it. Start talking like it. Start living like it. Here it is. Before you are it. It'll help you grow and help you handle the fulfillment of your dream when you actually see it happen. Now, nobody tells you this, but I love you enough to tell you, stop being a victim. It's only hurting you, not them. So be ambitious with your life. Most, most people won't say that. Be ambitious with your life. Go for greater dreams. Make it count. Wow, he's really, yeah, I am. At 17 years of age, let's just talk about it for a second. Joseph has gone from a place alone in a pit to too friendly with a pedophile to in prison with some power. Bad enough to be in prison, but prison with power is a little better. And in prison, going back to Joseph's story, there are two guys who just had a dream. Two guys who are dreamers. And they don't know what their dream's about. Butler and a baker, very confused about some dreams. And they're saying, we need some help. We need some help with our dreams. If you want to find out what your dream is, if you're confused about the dream that God has for your life, get around another dreamer. So, of course, they hook up with Joseph, the the best dreamer in town. And they said, Joseph, we hear you're a dreamer. Again, once you get around a dreamer, you'll begin to understand the dream on your life. I want you to listen to this, leaders. It's hard to follow some leaders who do not dream, who just come up to the bare minimum. It's hard to follow somebody non-dreamer when you have a dream. It's easy to follow a dreamer when you're a dreamer. It's easy to listen to a dreamer when you're a dreamer. But somebody who will not dream and just comes up to the bare minimum is not helpful. Are you hearing me, leaders? It's not helpful if you barely believe in yourself and you're supposedly calling me to greatness. You begin to understand the dream on your life when you hang around dreamers. Dreamers can take you somewhere. Dreamers can interpret something. Dreamers can show you something. Dreamers can give you handles for life that help you succeed. And the Bible said he interpreted their dreams. He said, you dreamed in three days you stand before Pharaoh. He said, that's exactly right. That's what it was. What does it mean? He turned to the other and said, Yep, baker, it means in three days you're going to stand before Pharaoh, <clears throat> and Pharaoh's going to cut your head off. And immediately he turns to the attention to the other guy, the butler, because there's no need to waste any more time with this baker. He's about to lose his head. And he turns to the butler, says, you're going to go before Pharaoh, and he's actually going to restore you, and you're going to be in his presence all the time with so much favor, you're going to be one of his best butlers. So beheaded, best butler. Beheaded baker, best butler. That's your dream. And when you become one of his right-hand men, this is what Joseph says to him, when you are restored to your original position, don't forget me. Don't forget me. I'm the dreamer guy in prison who was in charge that told you what you dream. Do not forget Joseph. This is Joseph saying, don't forget me, butler. You're about to be promoted. The Bible said within days they were called before Pharaoh. He cut off the baker's head and then restored the butler to be the best butler. And in verse 23, the Bible said, and the butler forgot Joseph. What? How do you like that? This shows that you're going to get to the place where you quit waiting on other people to remember you. And quit being so people needy. Like your whole world rises and falls with what people do. You're going to find out that God's probably not going to need the people that you think he needs. And you think Joseph would get this by now. He doesn't really need your dad. He doesn't really need your mom, the moon. He doesn't really need your 11 brothers. He doesn't really need Potiphar. He really doesn't need that woman who's the pedophile. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need a baker. He doesn't need a butler to fulfill what he's told you he's going to do. He'll make your future bright all by himself if he has to. 
You serve a God who opens doors that no man can open. And he shuts doors that no man can shut. Stop building your dreams on men. Start building your dreams on God. Because God opens doors that men can't touch. And he shuts doors that men can't shut. Because a dream from God is not built around needing people. It's built around needing God. Because people can do the possible, but only God can do the impossible. And what Joseph, the convicted felon, and what Joseph, the slave, and what Joseph, the thrown away boy, needs is impossible things. Not the possibility of men. I want to tell you, you don't know this, but you need God more than you need men. You need God more than you need people. You need God more than you need approval. You need God. God is the secret to impossibilities. Because with him, nothing is impossible. I don't care what crazy dream you have. With God, all things are possible. With men, it doesn't work sometimes. So when the butler forgot Joe, the Bible said that Pharaoh had a disturbing dream. Because, you know, dreams don't come from nowhere. You know that, right? And it's not just your subconscious. God coincidentally, Pharaoh coincidentally had a, a dream after he was forgotten. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? God gave him a disturbing dream. He saw seven skinny cows and seven chunky cows, okay? And the seven skinny cows swallowed up the seven fat cows. And he woke up, and Pharaoh couldn't sleep. And he called in all of his soothsayers, all the fortune tellers. They came in with their crystal rocks and were, like, shuffling them around, coming in with their tarot cards, trying to read the future, figure out the dream, tried to figure it out. And when they couldn't tell him what the dream was, because he's like, I had a dream. It was crazy. I can't remember it. But I feel like I really need to know it. They can't tell him the dream. He's like, what's the dream? I don't know it. you got to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it. Out of frustration, because nobody can do that. That's impossible. He started executing his best, best people. His best hired, approved. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? These people were educated in sorcery. They had lived their whole lives getting to the palace to serve the highest position in the land, Pharaoh. And they were super qualified to be in his presence. You look at the PhDs on their wall. They had their own offices. They had corner windows. They could see the pyramids from their windows. It was just amazing. These people were qualified, educated, the best of the best. And he's killing them because they're killing him. Can't tell me my dream? What good are all your diplomas? What good is all your qualification? What good is all of your success? And then he turned to the butler and he said to him, tell me what I dreamed. And he's like, I'm a butler, man. I didn't go to school for this. I'm a butler. Emphasis on butler. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, standing around his dead fortune-telling friends, the butler remembered Joseph. Oh, man, I just remembered something. I just remembered someone. And Joseph teaches us the benefits of helping other people with their dreams while you wait for your dream to come true. Come on now. And he said, come on now. He helped the butler with his dream. He helped the baker with his dream. He helped Pharaoh with his dream. You know what Joseph does? He helps other people with their dreams. And my question to you is, where are you helping anybody else with their dream? Ephesians 6 says, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Through your resources, through your given time, through given opportunities, what are you doing to help fulfill somebody else's dream? So if you're a selfish dreamer, your world will close and you will have nothing. And if nothing's happening with your dream, it's an indication that you need to help somebody else with their dream. If nothing's happening with your vision, serve another man's vision. And the butler remembered, oh man, somebody helped me with my dreams. Can anybody say that about you? I remember Nate. I remember Pastor Nate. He helped me with my dreams. Can anybody say that about you? I remember that man. He inspired me with his dreams. And he helped me with my dreams. Are you so me-centric? Are you helping others with their dreams? Butler remembered. Somebody helps people with dreams. And he said, there's a man in prison with, in whom the Spirit of God dwells. He tells you dreams. He interprets dreams. I'm going to go get him right now. Please don't kill me. I'll be right back. And he goes. He brings Joseph up into his familiar environment. See, the butler is familiar with success. 
the educated fortune tellers are familiar with the success. This uneducated, pit-thrown, convicted felon, underqualified person is about to step into an environment that he's been destined for. This is God bringing him into a place where he belongs. For the first time, he can breathe. I belong in greatness. This is where I'm meant to be. He's walking four years in hallways, and he's like, I knew that wasn't who I was. I knew my environment was lying to me. I knew my brothers were full of garbage. I knew that woman was not my destiny. This is what I'm here for. He's walking into Shark Tank. He's like, this is where I belong. You and me, we're the same. You're a dreamer, Pharaoh. I'm a dreamer. You have interpretation problems. I'm an interpreter. Have you been educated? What is your uh, background? Where did you go to school? Tell me your profession. What's your history look like? And he's like, none of that matters. Tell me what I dreamed. See, so many of you are blocked and stopped by what you think is disqualification. But you were born to dream and born to be in environments that you've never stepped foot in. And your gift will make room for you before kings. I don't care who forgets you, who remembers you, what it looks like, where you're at currently. You Someday you're going to look at your apartment that you're currently living in and be like, I knew this wasn't me. That was a lie. You're going to look at the car you drive around to your, your lame-ass job. And you're like, man, I knew that car wasn't me. It's a lie. Every day I get up, I tell tell my office downstairs, you're a lie. I do not belong here. I tell my Maxima, you're a filthy liar. Get out of my life with your leather interior. Oh, my gosh, he drives a a Maxima. Yeah, I do drive Maxima. A Nissan Maxima. It's a lie. I come into environments like this, and I say, you're lying to me. This is not who I am. I have greatness in me. Do you talk to anything in your world about who you are? Well, what do you call me? That, 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 that. No, I'm just saying, you're great. I love you. I'm thankful for you, but I just know the difference between a prison and a palace. Well, he's, he's making it. He's a victim. He's a prison. for. No, I'm just telling you, there should be some obsession and ambition for something greater than you see currently that you saw up there, but you don't see right here. Come on now. Anybody hungry? Hungry. I like that guy. What's his name? He's so hungry all the time. He's just always inspiring people to be hungry. You got to get hungry. What's his name? Somebody knows him. He's amazing. You guys don't know him. Okay. Anybody know the hungry guy? He's always like, you got to be hungry. Oh, my gosh. Man, I'm failing so hard. It'll come to me right after this. Okay, Google, does anybody, <laughs> all the phones go blink. Who's the communicator that says I'm hungry? You know what I'm saying? Um, you got to get hungry. You guys know who he is. Don't make me look like a fool up here. I want to say Wes or Ed or, you, not Ed, that's good, Jess, yeah. Somebody's hungry. All right. <laughs> Moving along. We'll catch it some other time. I'll, I'll let you know at 11 if you come back. <laughs> so he goes, and he brings up Joseph, and Joseph walks into an environment. He, he finally whew, can breathe in. Wes Brown, thank you so much. I knew it was Les or Wes. Wes Brown. No, Wes Brown, look him up today. He's hungry, okay? Wes Brown will change your life. I love Wes. Come on, Wes. Oh, Les. It is Les. Les. I wonder if his real name's Lester. Les Brown. Research him after church, all right? And seven skinny cows and seven years of extreme poverty and seven fat cows, meaning seven years of plenty. So Joseph tells Pharaoh, you had a dream. And this is exactly what your dream was. It's about cows, skinny ones and fat ones, plump ones and chubby ones and skinny ones and tiny ones. Okay, and the cows are eating each other. He's like, that's the dream. How did you do that? Well, I'm really educated and I'm really qualified and you should come to my office sometime. I'm a professional. Right? Professional prisoner. 
And he says, that's what your dream was. Here's what it means. If we don't do something right now, Pharaoh, famine is going to swallow up the prosperity and the plenty. But notice, Joseph wasn't afraid. He's telling it like it is, but he's unafraid. You know why? Because he had a dream where he had authority over harvests. Do you remember this? So we're going to have a food shortage, harvest problem. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of scarcity. And if we don't save it now, we're going to all die. But don't worry. I'm the solution to your problem. I had a dream about a harvest once. It was about 13 years ago. And I got thrown into a pit to be in front of you today. I am the Lord of the harvest. Where's my ring? No, I'm so sorry. He had a dream where he had authority over the harvest. We have to understand that we have the word of the Lord for such a time as this. And it is super applicable to where we're at. And I love Joseph because he's a believer and he's not intimidated. And that's hard to find, a secure believer. He's a believer and he's not afraid like Fox News, like CNN, NBC. He doesn't listen to the same garbage the same way. Are you catching what I'm saying? He's not full of fear. He's full of faith. You know why? Because bad things are coming, but I'm here. And greater is he that lives in me and dreams with me than anything that's coming in this world. In this world, there will be trouble. But do not be afraid. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be brave. Come on, believers of hope. Come on, believers of faith. Come on, believers. That's to say, man, I believe in a God who's well able in the midst of famine, in the midst of flations. I believe in a God who knows exactly what to do in 2022. He told him what he dreamed, and he told him what it meant, knowing that God was going to help him rule over the harvest because I'm the harvest boy. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, I perceive this is a wise man. Followed up with, you take over the whole kingdom. You reign over the harvest. We're going to call you the Lord of the harvest. Get him our best wig. Get him some good eyeliner. We got to shave his beard, clean him up a little bit, dress him in one of our man skirts. He's going to make a great Egyptian. He says, I know you have the same education as us. I know you think like us. I know you operate like us, and you were born to be an Egyptian. So he slaps Potiphar politically in the face. He says, the guy you threw in prison is a wise man. And he risks wealthy people's opinions because he's Pharaoh. He can do whatever he wants. And now the same person comes and sees this boy she was interested in just a couple years later. Now he's a man, and it's legal. He's like, man, what are you doing at the gala? Well, I'm kind of in charge of all of you all. Kiss my ring. No, I'm just joking. I don't know. I don't know what he said. That's what I was saying. No, I'm just kidding. You want to kiss? Kiss the ring. You know what I'm saying? I'm just messing with you guys. And he betrays. He does political suicide for some prison rat. Convicted rapist. I love that about this story. And he says, what do you think we should do, convicted felon? Joseph was 30 years old, 17 when it started, 30 when he stood before Pharaoh, and he stepped into the greatness that he saw. When he was 17, he saw it, and when he's 30, he steps into the right environment, finally. He steps around the right people. He's wearing the right clothes in a little bit. I like to tell you, don't wait till you're 30 to get greatness going. You can never dream too early. Get a dream early. He had a dream when he was a teenager. Listen to me, Hope Youth. And now he's 30 years old. He's the second most powerful man in the world. And he's about to make this nation that he's sort of a part of the most powerful nation in the world. He's 30 and he stood before Pharaoh and gathered up food. In Genesis 41, he was so diligent. Verse 49 said that Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. Wait, that's not it. It was so much so that he stopped keeping records. It was so great, they couldn't count it because it was beyond measure. Wow. He is great. 
just like God promised Abraham, his great-grandpa, who did the oops with the Ishmaelites that brought him to this palace. In Genesis twenty-two seventeen, I will surely bless you, God says to Abraham, his, his grandpa, and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Wait for it. And as the sand on a seashore. Here's the stars. Joseph has so much grain, it's like the sand of a sea. And his grandpa, dreaming, is in his blood. Had a dream from God. It said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the sand. You won't even be counted on the seashore. I love blessing beyond measure. I'm talking about influence beyond measure. And during the fulfillment of his dream, it says he had two sons in that land named Manasseh and Ephraim. And this is where we close. Before you give birth to your dream, you've got to have birth to two sons. Before you give birth to your dream, you have birth to two sons. Verse 51, Manasseh means the Lord has made me to forget the pain of my father's house. You got to have this son. Come on. The Lord has caused me to forget the pain of my past. I'm not a victim. I'm not a traumatized child anymore. And I've forgiven the pain of my father's house. And his second son, Ephraim, which means that I am blessed or fruitful in the land of affliction. Right there in the hellhole that I lived in. Before you get a dream, you got to forgive and forget what people did to you. I have forgotten my father's offenses. you got to release forgiveness to your own family, your brothers, your, your friends, your, your husband, your ex. I mean, release forgiveness. And then secondly, you got to become fruitful in the land of affliction. Well, when I get a new job, I wish I could get, have a new boss. But God says, I want you to be fruitful in the land of your terrible job. I want you to be fruitful where you're planted now, in Corning, New York. Yes, Corning, New York. I want you to take where you're at right now and be faithful and become so fruitful that it will become evident that you don't belong there anymore. Everybody will see. And God will open up the next door. So become the future you want to see. And you know what that means? It means change now. It means ridiculous responsibility now. It means ownership now. It means growth now. It means stop whining about how hard it is and own it. Stop saying you need to do less to focus more on this and own everything. The sheep, the songs, and the slingshot all at once. Well, I need to take a break because my husband's really needy right now. Stop it. I need to take a break because my kids, they're my focus. Stop it. Own the sheep, the slingshot, because you're going to need that slingshot. And you're not ready with that slingshot practice. And we don't ever talk about the slingshot practice. But he did one stone to a giant. And keep your nine to five. And do the side hustle with excellence. You get in front of kings with your performance. You see what I'm saying. Stop saying, well, I got this hat and this hat and this hat. I need to pull back from here and stop doing this. No, 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 no. Means growth. Obsessive, ambitious growth. So you're ready when you're ready. That means pain. That means hard now or hard later. I like some people say, you know, you, you choose your hard. You can do hard now or you can do hard later. I, I choose hard now. I choose conflict now. I choose tough conversations now. That means relationships that sharpen you now. Iron sharpening iron now. Or you can live in the hell of later without it. Joseph is living proof. That dysfunction at your foundation does not determine your future. Come on. We can do it now. Work where you're at now. You should write it down. Joseph is living proof. The dysfunction at your foundation. I don't care what excuse is holding you back from being a mom, a wife, and a crusher at your employment. Come on, I don't care what dysfunction or how you feel like you get to pull back or do this. I got to do self-care. Okay. Care about yourself enough to push yourself. Well, if I burn out here, then I won't be any good here. Okay, care about yourself enough to challenge the fact that you can burn out. Stars burn bright. They don't burn out. Come on, shooting stars. We're not shooting stars. We're bright. Let's, be, let's burn bright. Not burn out. Well, self-care, right? Well, champions 
Gladiators, giant killers, they don't do self-care very well. They crush everything. They crush everything all at once. So stop limiting yourself by other people's set expectations. Well, I was there once, honey, and here's what I had to do. I had to pull back from this, and I had to stop doing this, and I had to go to therapy, and then. But where are you now, and how limited are you? Did you ever think about what you could have been? Had you not? Well, I'd be a mess. I'd be a broken mess. Are you sure? Because the God I serve takes the possible, and he shifts it and brings it into possibilities. Impossibilities. I know I'm messing with your theories. I'm just saying. I don't know where that theology came from, but David doesn't show you it. He's obsessive. He's ambitious. Joseph doesn't show it to you. He's obsessive. He's ambitious. Daniel doesn't show it to you. He's obsessive. He's ambitious. And he could be a victim the whole time and back off here and get a little self here and a little bit here, but he doesn't. Because if you're going to do great things, you've got to be great. There's no way around being great if you want to live in greatness. You got to go for greater. Do not allow dysfunction at your foundation to determine your future. That's easy for you to say you had a great foundation. Okay, okay, okay. Do not allow the dysfunction at your foundation to determine your future. Because it is unlimited. His brothers wanted to kill him and threw him into a pit. They made him so low that even if they had to bow down to him, he would still be beneath them. A pit ensures that you are never higher than ground level. We'll show you bowing down. Dysfunction from the pedophile chasing you at 17. I don't know what happened to you when you were a 12-year-old girl, honey. I don't know what happened to you when you were 6. But it doesn't determine your destiny. Dysfunction at your foundation does not determine your destiny. It does not define or limit the dream. Even having a track record of being a convict that will follow you for the rest of your life does not deter the destiny that God has for you. Come on now. And I want to tell you something. Joseph goes from being an inexperienced child with a big mouth to a slave with nothing to a convicted rapist to second in command of all of Egypt. He didn't let off the gas. Nothing can block what God is birthing you in you except for you. If you believe you are unqualified, I want to tell you, you are unqualified. If you believe you are unable, you are unable. If you believe you are a victim, you are a victim. But all things are possible to those who believe the other way. Joseph maintained, and I want you to catch this. You might think it's cute. You might think it's cliche. Joseph maintained the mentality, everybody loves me. Everyone still wants to hear what I have to say. Even if they forget me, even if they abuse me, they still want to hear what I have to say. And I can make a difference in other people's lives. His entire journey, I can make a difference. I'm going to make a difference. I was born for greatness. I'm going to serve people. He believed it. They pretend to despise me, but they love me. They say they hate the dream that I'm saying, but they really like it. I'm their breadbasket. It's what saves them from famine 13 years from now. Oh, I know they want nothing to do with me. They even want to kill me for what I'm saying to them. But I'm going to make a huge difference in their lives. You know what will make a huge difference? If you stop caring about yourself and care about what God could do through your life bigger than self-care. I know you hate it, but I'm telling you the truth. And all the internal voices, the external voices, you have to choose to believe. Change everything. Anything can change when you're chasing a dream. Remember, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. That means if you hang around the wrong people, it's a sure way to stop you from growing into your destiny. You listen to the wrong voices, you make the wrong choices. You listen to the wrong voices, you back off and you become less than what you could be. You listen to the wrong voices, you become the loser version that doesn't intimidate the person preaching the message. You listen to the right voices, they make you greater than they are. They call you to greatness bigger than they have. I'm going for the great dream God gave me. My future is bright in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say it. So Joseph says to his brothers, as we close, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's the big thing. I know you thought my dream was self-centered and conceited, but it was actually sweet the whole time. See, it doesn't matter what people think about you. Is it sweet? Is it for others? I want to become great so I could serve you and so many other people better. That's what Joseph had. The best dreams serve people way more than self. I want to encourage you. Let's get a dream 
to serve people so well in their time of need. Serve them in their crisis. That's what Joseph did. He came up in a crisis. He came up in a crisis. Serve them in their pain. Serve them in their confusion. Jesus said, true greatness is found in your capacity to serve. You know why I love serving here at Hope Church and all our impact teams? Because true greatness is found in serving other people in their crisis. Even if I can do it with a shake or a smile or a high five or a welcome to hope. And the greatest people really are the people who add value and serve the most with their dreams. And that's just one tiny outlet of what we're talking about, but it's a, it's a sliver of the pie. I want, I want us to all serve other people with the dreams in our nine to fives and the dreams in our side hustles and the dreams at our church life, in our family life, at all of our aspects of life. We want to be the greatest servant of it all. That's where greatness is. If you want to be great, become the servant of everybody. I want to encourage you, let's serve somebody this Christmas season. Yeah, church? Let's serve them up the gospel. Let's serve them up some good tidings of great joy in a world full of bad news. Let's serve them with acts of kindness. I encourage you, be a person of hope without a program that serves other people with kindness. Well, where's the church's program for the, for the down and trodden? Well, you're the program. Serve somebody in Jesus' name. You're the reflection of God in the earth. Well, I, where, where's your toys for tots drive? We don't have one. You be the toy for tot drive. Be a part of something. Serve people with acts of kindness this Christmas. Serve people with the gospel this Christmas. Hope Church is the gospel. I mean, we, 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 that's what we're preaching. Get a harvest dream that extends way beyond self. Come on now. If you're ready to dream his dreams in this place, give him a shout of praise as we close. Ready to go for greater. Ready to serve greater.